Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rippling Pages podcast. Great writers making waves with the word all in conversation with me, Liam Bishop. And today I'm really excited to be joined by Neil Griffiths. Neil is a novelist. Two of his novels, Betrayal in Naples and Saving Caravaggio, were published by Penguin. His most recent novel is As a God Might Be, which was published by Dodo Inc. And it's their anthology, Trauma, Essays on Arts and Mental Health, to which he has contributed with his essay, Madness and Such. He's also a publisher himself at Weatherglass Books, and he's the founder of the Republic of Consciousness Prize. Now, before we go on, I'd just like to quickly say that we do discuss sensitive issues around mental health. Now, I've put some links into the show notes, so please do refer to them if you are affected by any issues in today's episode. Thank you. Big stories, big ideas, and you're a, you're a brilliant storyteller in the most traditional and innovative sense of the word. How would you prime your readers for your contribution, madness and such, to the anthology trauma? Um, well, obviously, it sits in an anthology, and therefore it's unlikely to be the first thing you come to. So it has a context, and obviously when you read in context depending on what you've read before, will have an impact on what you read. But mine is probably one of the more unusual contributions. Um, I was very uncertain about whether, to, whether A, to write it and B, to submit it. And quite close to publication day, I was still worried about whether I wanted it to be published. Um, for two reasons. One, I had no and have no idea whether it's any good and two it's quite exposing um, because it is about a period of depression or rather it is a it is attempting to describe what a period of depression felt like as it happened a period of depression where i could barely write could barely do anything but i, could, I certainly couldn't write um, and so I had to find a form. If I was going to contribute after Sam Mills asked me, I had to find a form which would speak to the nature of the depression creatively. And I had been writing fragments, or I know often actually I've been recording occasional fragments when I, when I was walking the dogs on, the, on, the, on Tooting Common. And so I did wonder whether something fragmentary would be a way to go and therefore what what the piece is is a set of fragments that describe a period in my life where I was about as close to seeing life as hopeless and valueless um, and therefore it had to speak to a point where, and it's, an, it's a refrain in the piece, which is no more life. And whilst suicide is not something that was not a place I particularly went to, I'd had enough and therefore wanted no more. Um, 
and so in that way it was trying to trying to describe how it might be to be in a place where no more life was the was I don't know how to describe where, where that seemed to be the point it does come about two thirds of the way through the anthology doesn't it and it comes after Anna Vought's essay uh, Read in mm. Order to Live mm. um, and she says I'm sorry if that was a hard read or hard to read because it was very stream of consciousness but this is how mm. the experience was and yours was very hard to read but in a different way uh, and it's this is a beauty and a kind of real sort of um, not beauty but it's everyone takes a different approach mm. to mm. trauma um, and most people talk about their personal experiences some relate mm. these to global or political events others talk mm. through their personal experiences while theorizing on what trauma is and what trauma means and what makes your contribution so devastating on a level is that although it does talk obviously about a very personal experience it doesn't seem to relate to an event or anything that's really happening in the world it's kind of talking about a state um, mm. and a very removed sort of experience from life, from, you know, experience as a reader and, and just based on what mm. you're talking about there. Um, so was it, was it the first thing you thought of contributing to this anthology? Yeah, well, yes, I think I, I, I wasn't really in a state to contribute at all, really. And therefore, and it would only, it was only because Sam asked me and she obviously was the driving force behind the publication of my last novel, As a God Might Be, that yeah. I even thought about contributing. And there was nothing, I was not in any state to write anything that was in any way, you know, sustained by argument or um, opinion or commentary or anything. I didn't have that, didn't have that wherewithal. I also, I also couldn't quite believe the desperate state I was in. I mean, I, I just, it, 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 depression can be, or the, that level of depression can, mm. is almost a kind of surprise. It's, 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 and I've suffered from, you know, depression from, for, you know, decades but never to this degree and so you can't really believe that it's that it's can be it can be as awful as it is it almost is, a, is a, as i said a kind of surprise um and i suppose i just thought is there a way of mapping this out and if I, you know, as I said, I had some fragments lying around and I'd recorded some things. So there was a, you know, there was a few pages to work with. Um, I just thought if I can map this out in some way, then, then that might be either useful to me. And I had no idea what anybody else was doing. Um, and so it was, and I suppose I was wrestling with, I suppose this is, uh, you know, I, I was wrestling with what certain states of being 
feel like as negatives. So in a sense, the negative of being is nothingness. And, you know, I felt for a long period of time in, in states of, that were close, closer to nothingness than they were to being. So I want, I, that, so I had to, I had to kind of come to terms with a, a way of trying to create a kind of negative expression. And so there's obviously lots of ways of trying to express what nothing feels like, even though it doesn't feel like anything because nothing feels like nothing. So, you know, those, those loops. And also I was experiencing short, not hugely, like periods of sort of um, manic episodes, um, short and not 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 completely out of control, but whatever. So I, I wanted to capture that, and then I was having this, which is a, a longer passage towards the end. I was then having these real problems with experiencing time. Um, so I, th there were things to there were things to explore. But I, as a, you know, I couldn't, there was no way I could have gone, I'm going to explore time in trauma or time through depression and, and apply myself to that one theme mm. in a kind of, um, in a structural, structured and um, analytical way. It had to be an expression of what it felt like. Perhaps sometimes you are sort of grappling with it. It looks like sort of personally, you know, how does this relate to me? How does this relate to my being in the world? But then also philosophically, uh, as well there's still that part of the experience it was like. I don't know if that's fair or not or yeah no it is I think it, I mean that's that's one of the the extraordinary things about depression is is that you, you don't you've lost yourself but you don't lose in my case you know 40 years of adult life and therefore you have you have all of the, you know, I mean, I, you know, I kind of, you know, I grew up in my late teens and my early twenties very much with kind of classic French existentialism. So I've, I've sort of brought myself up on notions of being and nothingness, um, being and time and stuff like that. So that obviously inflects how one is going to the, the they, they become the vector or prism of how you're going to, in, you know, interpret or describe your states but they also that doesn't that doesn't mean necessarily that that the only i was experiencing those states based on those um that kind of philosophical intellectual framework they just yeah, they just happen to be they just happen to be useful um and i'm not uncomfortable with that language um and therefore you know, I, I could press press through it to try and find modes of feeling or unfeeling, as it were, you know, with that language. Um, so in that way, and, and, you know, I mean, you know, the only thing, one, one doesn't, what's the word? Um, so sort of only death, you know, if, if, if we stay away from any theology, only death is kind of complete absence and nothingness. Um, and therefore, even in the level of depression I was at, you, you, you know, you're, you're, one is still 
still present and, you know, and so therefore, uh, you know, thought and continues, it just continues in sort of broken and fractured and, um, uh, you know, sort of um, incomplete way. Yeah, it's, um, like, kind of felt like at times you were, you know, sort of, an, you weren't having an out-of-body experience, course, but it felt like you were sort of writing external to yourself in moments. No, I mean, I, I, but I think it is a slightly out-of-body experience, or rather it's a, or rather maybe it's even the inverse of that. It's, it's that often in life we are slightly more out-of-body than we think we are, and depression traps us inside. Um, and, and when you're trapped inside, you realise there's a sort of infinite amount of space in there. And, and a lot of that space feels like nothing. That there is, you know, there's, there is as much space inside, well, you know, it, in terms of, New, you know, there are, there are more neurons in the brain than there are stars in the in the universe. So, in a way, there is as much space. Space is not the right word, but there's there's, a, there's as much activity going on in there than there is, you know, activity in the world. So there is a sort of comparableness of whatever. So you can disappear. You can be trapped inside yourself and and get lost. It's really interesting because obviously I've read um, read your previous work and there is this idea that you seem to grapple with here and in your work as well. This idea of, I thought it was emptiness at first, but I don't think it is emptiness. I think it's more to do with nothingness or space. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was reading As a God Might Be and you talk about McCullough's endeavour to build this church on the cliffside. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you say it was a yearning to be rid of something, yet he was already uh, empty enough. And you do return to, there's a, there is another refrain as well of no more life of deep in the body. Uh, this, mm. is, this is a refrain deep in the body. And I don't know if this sense does tie into some other themes with your work about nothingness and you know, theology, as, as you've mentioned and, and referenced. Or I think, no, no, I think you're absolutely right. And, 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 McCulloch in, in his God Might Be is always talking about having to get out something that's inside and but but not knowing what's inside and therefore and finding nothing inside but knowing that it's it's also got to find its way out and you know whether that's some kind of negative expression of God um, you know or, or, or a kind of Buddhist expression of God or a kind of in Christian theology um, what's called apophatic expression of God, you know, everything that God isn't. So God ends up as nothing in his plenitude, as it were. Um, you know, I was obviously what I worked on that novel for, you know, 10 years or something. And, but the, and in a way, the essay in trauma is a, is a version of that that doesn't have any, um, any light you know it's it's a it's a, it's a world abandoned by Did god rather than there were um, kind of um i don't so different in terms of length 
and structure. But yeah. they, they were uh, uh, kind of five thousand words and two hundred thousand <laughs> yeah. words. Yeah, yeah. What they what they are, I think, is if if we think about you know, um, I don't, is that certain certain questions preoccupy writers. And they preoccupy writers in different ways at different times in their life, depending on their, you know, their, you know, psychological or emotional states or whatever. As a god might be, was in a sense looking to find a way through uh, a life that was feeling as though it lacked meaning or purpose but sense that meaning and purpose could be called upon somehow. And the essay is an expression where that no longer feels possible, that there is, that there is nothing to call upon. Um, so in a way, it's a sort of negative, in, in, you know, negative version. You know, McCullough goes through dark and desperate periods and maybe this isn't an expression of what that might have felt like before he looked for some kind of expression that might give him, you know, purpose and meaning. I want to point listeners to a really interesting review that you wrote uh, on Francis Spufford. Spufford, is that what you Oh, right, yeah. Spufford, Spufford. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, you do talk about McCulloch and your novel, uh, there, um, how we how over the novel, he achieves a kind of double emptying, first of himself, and then, as he realizes his folly in building the church, the house uh, of God. Um, but you do, I, what well, I don't know if this is this is a bit more speculative for myself, but you write really interestingly, detailed about food uh, and meals. Um, so your first novels set in Naples, mm. particularly the first one, Italian gastronomy, obviously very famous. But you're also very specific about what McCulloch eats uh, as well, particularly around the family uh, dinner table, mm. which quite a lot of that novel is, I think, mm. in the family unit. Mm. Um, and I don't know if I'm being too kind of coy and too kind of clever here, really, but I just wonder if it relates to a hunger, because you talk about the gut in your essay. Mm, and mm, I don't know if it relates to a kind of hunger or, or feeling. I don't know. I don't know if I'm being too clever. No, it's. Not, I mean, there's a number of things here, which is one. You know, we, we, the, the, there are ways of talking about the physical world as a counterpoint to the kind of spiritual world, and obviously, kind of sustenance, physical sustenance. What keeps us alive is food. And therefore, and it's also about community, isn't it? We sit round a table. So he, you know, yeah, McCulloch sits up on the hill with his, with the people helping building and they, you know, eat chips, drink beer. And one can't really talk about Italy um, without talking about food. Um, it plays a different role in As a God Might Be, which I think we just sort of touched on. But, you know, it's more than that. As I said, it's sort of about, you know, people sitting around a table, people sharing food. There's, and, but there's also, yeah, so there's also this interesting thing about, you know, we talk, I talk about the gut a lot in, in, in the essay, in, or the essay, or whatever it is that I wrote, the trauma. It, um, there's interesting, 
in terms of neurology, um, we have neurotransmitters in the gut in a way that, that you know most people think neurotransmitters are only in um, are only in the brain, but actually um, uh, antidepressants (SSRIs) um, have an effect on the gut because there are neurotransmitters in the gut. I think there's certain uh, indications there are neurotransmitters both in the heart. So the, the the gut, the reason we feel things in the gut, and why the gut is a part of our kind of a way of you know the metaphors and stuff in life is 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 more than just digestion goes goes on in there. Um, and I think that's probably um, so nothing, you know, these expressions of nothingness, which you talk about, can often feel not in the mind, but in the body. And that's why deep in the body is, is a refrain that, you know, nothingness being felt deep in the body, the physical nature of food, as it plays a counterpoint to, to spirituality and nothingness. Yeah, there's, um, there's also Jim in Betrayal in Naples. This great character, Jim, and he, he has this horrendous sort of illness when he arrives uh, in Naples mm. and he has to rush to the toilet a lot. Uh, and he's, you know, he's sort of doing this, he's emptying himself. And mm. these, he talks about the communal idea. Um, mm. And there is scenes in, in As a God Might Be when people aren't necessarily having a meal. They are even just sharing some drinks or, you know, at the mm. end of the day sort of work. Madness as such. These fragments were written over the summer and autumn of 2019, during one of the most severe and extended periods of depression I have experienced in 40 years. No more life. Out there, along the river, the body might make a swerve, leaving the body to go about its business, to be in life. But the mind stays deep in the body, the body that swerves into nothingness. Bring back madness. I mean, that's what it is, right? What this is in my head. Madness. In both senses. This is madness. I can't believe it's happening. And the other one, the one represented on this page. There is a third, of course. He, she is mad. Meaning, forgive me, but I want to be precise. Let's say there is a cline of lived experience. And at one pole we have joy in all its forms. And at the other we have despair in its simplest form. I contend that the depression I'm describing cannot be found here. It cannot be plotted. Something must end. Something must end. Something must end. Something must end. Something. Shh. It must end. It must end. It must end. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Something. Something must end. Right? If I were to angle myself and swerve away, turn a little and swerve, make a swerve off the path here, just here, just this spot here, and leave the path here. Do you see? Do you see? I mean, I know you can't, but can you see that I can see that I can see it here, the opportunity that I can see the opportunity to swerve away off this path here, here in the park, just here. And if I were to, if I were to, I mean, make that decision to finally swerve away no more life Dostoevsky um, mm. and I just wanted to talk about his influence on your mm. work if you were able to because you do reference him in mm. uh, in madness as such you know when I was very young when I was about 14 um, not particularly academic person at school and struggling with various issues at home and 
with my own sense of self. Um, my English, you know, it's kind of absolute kind of classic narrative. My English teacher somehow saw fit to give me crime and punishment. Um, <laughs> and therefore, you know, when you when you read for Crime and Punishment quite young, 14, and then, you know, a couple of others, The Idiot and, um, and then next was um, House of the Dead and whatever. So, you know, by the time I was 15, 16, I'd read quite a lot of Dostoevsky and, and The Soul in Peril, which is one of the, you know, even if we're going to sort of extract out um, Dostoevsky's religious uh, fervor, there is the soul in peril is is absolutely part of the Dostoevsky um, enterprise, um, whether they're atheist or in fact um, um, believer. And you don't get much more important writing than than when someone's writing about that. I mean, I was reading the other day. I was reading Bleak House. For the, for the second time, and the first time I read it, it was in my early 20s, but I was, so I was reading it about a 30-year gap, and I hated it when I read it in my early 20s, and I really loved it in my, um, I mean, it was over this, over this Christmas. And I was reading it, and I was thinking, you know, about Dickens, who I'd sort of fairly slandered over the past 30 years, and I could now begin to see why people loved him. And then I thought, okay, yeah, but just imagine a Dostoevsky character walking into a Dickens novel, you could the the you know the high seriousness of 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 of, of Dostoevsky in terms of of what he's trying to face down in his writing compared to the kind of social commentary and comedy and you know, of, of Dickens, you suddenly realise Dostoevsky was operating in just an in a whole other sphere in terms of um, our. Um, relationship with life, you know, at its most desperate, and so that you know that's you know you can't you 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 are formed when you read that kind of writing at that kind of age, um, and in a way, you know, as I, I, you know, writing as a god might be was a sort of coming home for me. You know, it, it's 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 a Dostoevsky. It's a late nineteenth-century novel written in the you know the early. 21st century, but it's more than that. It's a Dostoevsky novel. It's it has big set pieces in the way Dostoevsky. I mean, people have written about Dostoevsky being really being a playwright at heart, rather than you know he has the big set pieces. And mine has set pieces, and you know I have to give a spoiler alert here, but, but you know because there is a you know there is also a murder at the centre of my novel, which is there's always a murder at the centre of the big novels of Dostoevsky, and big questions are asked and so you know it is a, it is an homage to do explicitly and um you know without excuses an homage to Dostoevsky yeah totally um and it's that inexplicable act that sort of is at the center of it and be do that thing that Dostoevsky does as well which is uh yeah you you do sort of set it up in acts uh which means that the kind of there's an implausibility within crime and punishment for argument's sake mm. the murder happens very early on which isn't the same as yours mm. novel to be fair but it happens very early on and then we're sort of led to believe that no one really knows or can prove that Raskolnikov mm. done it mm. for the next sort of 400 yeah. you know 500 mm. pages or whatever um but you've 
I don't know if this links to this idea of you spoke about sort of leaps of the imagination that you ask readers to make in uh, in, in fiction and in your novel, building a church on a cliffside. Well, would that really happen? Well, it doesn't. You know, it doesn't matter because it does in the novel, and and it, and it obviously works. But what kind of leaps um, are you asking the reader to take within something like? Badness as such. Is it the same kind of week that you ask them to make in as a god might be? Or mm, oh that's interesting. No, no, I think it's I think it's I think it's very different. I think it's a it's a formal so it's not an imaginative leap so much as um or a suspension of disbelief. So the I someone who said, you know, a novelist is always can always ask the reader to take one big suspension of disbelief. And then after that, there has to be an internal logic to the, if you ask them again, they may not go with you. Um, and that internal logic may be the internal logic of magical realism, but you've asked them to go into the world of magical realism and then the internal logic is sort of um, is still there. Um, Whereas with the, with the the essay or whatever it is, it's it's saying that you're not going to be given any narrative thread, you're not going to be given any explanation, you're not going to be given any um, bi kind of biographical facts. You're just going to have to accept that that this is the best way I found of expressing or describing how I felt. And so it's it's a formal request rather than an imaginative request. Um, I mean, that's to the credit of the um, collection and you know, mm -hmm. Sam and Tom who've edited it. And I think they've achieved that. And I hope people do pick it up. And I hope, mm -hmm. and it is worth, I think it is one of those anthologies that's worth reading. Um, from sort of start to the end, mm, mm. kind of full piece. It, 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 everything's there's really sort of nice kind of moments of cross reference, I think. Which obviously, which as a writer, if you were writing this, you wouldn't have known that you were doing at the time. Exactly, but, exactly. I mean, I'm, I as I think, I, you know, I'm, I, you know, I've dipped in and out of it rather than read it from start to finish, and that's partly because when you're in it and you're in a world, I mean, I know some of the writers. And it's a book about trauma and one is in it and has written something quite exposing actually picking it up isn't that easy um i can understand that and so it's, it's sitting next to you know my a chair in the kitchen where I, where I read when i'm sitting in the kitchen but i'm not that comfortable with picking it up partly because my as i said right at the beginning i'm I'm not necessarily convinced by my own piece. And that makes me feel slightly lightheaded. I mean, you, you know, I, you know, I, I've, I've realized recently actually, because I just finished a kind of first draft of a memoir, which is differently fragmented. And I've had some feedback on it, which is quite useful, but I suddenly realized that I'm, not only am I primarily a fiction writer, but I'm actually primarily a writer of fairly traditional forms. 
and therefore having written something that's so personal and non-fiction and not in a straightforward narrative form I'm not sure how to judge it and I'm and therefore I'm that in itself is quite exposing when you don't have confidence that you you have the experience you know I've written I'm going to have three no published novels but I've written you know six full novels I kind of know what I'm doing I don't really know what I'm doing when writing like this so makes me feel kind of you know quite vulnerable having having written it no just as it set you down this then a different path for your works I don't know I'm writing something at the moment which is slightly for formally less traditional than I have written previously because it was you know as it god might be is absolutely a sort of 19th century realist narrative even though it has it sort of slightly subverts it a couple well once really um and my two naples novels are they're kind of kind of mid-century kind of you know sort of gray and green with a bit of a carré sort of you know literary detective stories kind of mystery whatever so you know i'm i you know i you know I'm not a child of, you know, Joyce or Beckett. I'm not, you know, um, but this thing I'm writing is novella, which I'm, I think I'm about three quarters of the way through, is formally innovative. But I, I, the chances are I will, unless I, 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 you know, I may, may well back out because I, I you know, I'm, I don't know whether I can, to what degree I can judge whether those things work or not in the way I know I can judge through experience, more traditional um, narrative. I mean, you you are you set up the Republic of Consciousness Prize, which is mm. for is for indie presses, isn't it? But it's mm. you. There is a lot of what we might call formally experimental work in there. Yeah. And I think with your novels, they might yeah they they might appear to have a very sort of uh, realist narrative but there's a real um and this is what i think makes them so skilled and so interesting is because there's a real awareness of structure in there real awareness of the novel as an art form without being kind of tongue-in-cheek without being postmodern. Mm -hmm. um, and it's such it was it was such a pleasure and i really you know hope listeners do go back and read some of the early novels as well because they're written during this time where um I mean, it must be sort of mid two thousands, wasn't it? Betrayal in yeah, of course. Um, two thousand and five, two thousand and seven. Yeah, yeah, and there's there's talk of like the euro, and there's talk of not needing passports to get into France. And this is at a time when you know postmodernism was still quite a, a accepted mm. art form, and it's what people were writing mm. in, and people like Martin Amis were were still very much on the on the scene, mm. for better or for worse. Um, but. Mm -hmm. I, it, there is a real awareness of structure within those novels. And as you come to it, as a god might be, he's building this massive structure, mm. this massive mm. church, uh, which is a bit of a curse of being someone who's interested in books and criticism and all that stuff that you'd kind of see through the layers. But it's very interesting. It's, in, it's incomplete, isn't it? The, the yeah. church is incomplete. I feel I'm quite a good judge of when innovative, innovative fiction works when written by other people 
and you're right the prize the prize was the inspiration with the, for the prize came from a number of books um zone by matthias nr published by fitzgeraldo which is um in a sense one sentence uh girls a half full thing by amir mcbride cali beggar which is you know a sort of very broken up sort of joycean novel pond uh by claire louise bennett which is the sort of novel in short stories and everything that's won it has a an innovative side to it I'm, so i feel very clear that i know what what works when it's written by someone else it's just i don't my internal editor of my own work is not quite as high functioning <laughs> maybe it's the case that formally inventive and innovative novels are really hard to get right in a way that traditional three-act structures, if you want, is less difficult to get right because we've got more precursors to sort of look back on and the novel works in a particular way without messing around with it. So, you know, mess around with your peril, you know, or do it really, really well. And that's my worry. It's like, why mess around with a novel and not do it that well? But, you know, I'm working on something, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I say I'm working on it. I mean, I, I looked at it a couple of weeks ago because I wrote most of it last year, three quarters of it, and, um, and it looked better than I thought it was. And so I'm going to rewrite, but I'm in the middle of publishing books at the moment. So I, I co-founded with a, 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 an acquaintance, stroke friend, Damien Lanigan, a small press last year. We're publishing our first novel uh, in a month's time, uh, Cold New Climate by Isabel Wall. Uh, a debut, um, which is just scorchingly accomplished. And then we have another novel by Jonathan Walker, uh, The Angels of L19, L19 via postcode in Liverpool, and then a non-fiction book after that. And then there's other stuff to announce soon. So yeah, I'm in, a, I'm in the publishing business right now. Are they experimental works or is it just based on quality? No, I mean, the idea is that we're, we're looking at novels that are maybe being left slightly left out of both mainstream publishing which is looking for at the moment sort of quite commercial when i say commercial i don't mean sort of commercializing airport novels as they used to be called but kind of novels that will sell at quite a volume and then maybe super niche novels from the indie press something that used to be called the mid-list which is sort of you know beautifully crafted you know sentence level novels um, I mean, Isabel's book is, you know, has a gentle formal innovation, um, but that's not, that's not our kind of raison d'etre. We're looking for, you know, very well-crafted, you know, level novels that exist at the sentence level. Um, uh, well, I can't wait. Well, we've seen some of it and there is a copy behind you on the shelf which listeners won't be able to oh yeah see but, um, yeah, yeah 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 if you're on twitter you'll see it probably circulating and it's a it's a yeah. it, it does look really exciting yeah, it's uh, an extraordinary piece of work from the, um uh, as a debut nice. well uh well neil it's been uh, an absolute pleasure um and really enjoyed um reading your work and prefer you know rereading your work and some instances for this interview but also um thanks for sharing so candidly um about your contribution to trauma um so no, really thank you thank, thank you Lynn. my thanks go to neil for joining me today and of course my thanks go to you for listening trauma essays on art and mental health 
is published by Dodo Inc. Now why don't you join me next time when I'm going to be joined by some poets from the Flip Tide Press as they celebrate their 20 year anniversary.